We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a True Faith podcast. I'm Alex Hurst and I'm joined by Simon Campbell and Norman Riley on an absolutely brilliant Sunday here, Mothering Sunday. Two years to the day since Rafael Benitez decided to come to this fucking crazy football club and try and sort us out. And sort us out he has, and it's culminated in uh, in in one of the best wins of the season. If we hadn't beaten Man United, I'd say it was the best win of the season yesterday against Southampton. They called it a six-pointer, and I'm, I'm in agreement, lads. I think we, we do deserve six points for that performance. Such was the comprehensive nature of Newcastle United's victory. Um, so I'll come to you first. Just a few words on how, like, how was yesterday for you, all the pressure, all the nerves, and it was just... It was just fine from sixty five seconds onwards. I know it's fantastic, isn't it? Like on a day like that, the one thing you just love to have is an early goal to completely settle the nerves. Because if we got a half time at nil nil there, everyone's thinking shit. A draw's not good enough here. But because we started the game so well and just kind of looked comfortable from then on, it was just enjoyable from start to finish. It was not like the Manu game where actually the last twenty minutes of that game were really stressful and and <laughs> painful to 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 watch. As, as mint as it was by the final whistle. That was different. Yesterday was just 90 minutes of pure enjoyment because we were class and we just you just knew we were going to win as soon as the first goal went in. It's not really in the DNA of Newcastle fans days like yesterday. Trying to think of, of... I mean, obviously last year was a little bit different because of the some of the opposition we faced. But at the top level, I'm probably having to go back to 2011-12 um, against Stoke. I, mean, with, I think it would be Stoke 3-0, uh, like Kabai, Cissé, maybe Demo Bosco. But anyway... That was like the same thing where the last 20, 30 minutes of yesterday, I think I turned to Norman in the stand and just said, they just need to call this off now. Yeah. We, we we declared, we're 3-0 declared. Like, we we did yesterday what big teams do. We played like a real football team where how many times have we gone to Old Trafford or Anfield or Stamford Bridge and they're 3-0 up after 56 minutes and you think we're going to get a hammer in here, but they're just like, nah, it's all right, lads. Yeah, they, they make a few subs and it's kind of yeah. the game's done and we're not going to get back into it and that's the right. That's what it felt like. We were the, were the home team for a change doing that to someone else. Norman, you you um, came up from London for the game and probably quite an eventful journey back for you. Just give us some words on how much you enjoyed yesterday as a whole. Oh, it was it was fantastic. I mean, I think I wrote in the uh, match report. Obviously, when I, when I wrote the match report last night, uh, this was after after having a few drinks on the train on the way back. So um, maybe it's me. Uh, my emotions were slightly influenced by by the boot. Who's born? I didn't. Um, I didn't feel particularly uh, nervous getting in the stadium yesterday, and the, the crowd didn't feel that nervous to me. I, I didn't kind of come on attention, or maybe maybe it's a lot to do with where I was located, who I was with, and 
probably more than anything else, we didn't get a chance to develop the nerves because we scored so early and like you, like you two both said, we were so utterly dominant. Uh, you referred back to the Stoke game there, I was at that. Uh, Kabai, Kabai got two in that game in CCS score. I think it was cracking, cracking goals from Kabai. Um, but the difference with that, that game was is like, well, we, were, we were pushing for, I think even pushing for the Champions League part at the time um, and that really surprising season. But Stoke had like no to play for, whereas yesterday, Southampton, like it was, it was as vital to them as it was to us, and we just absolutely obliterated them. We blew them out the water. We were so in control. I don't, I don't recall in the Premier League um, seeing a game we were in such control for for absolutely years, mate. For years, um, it was yeah, it was fantastic. The whole atmosphere was great. Like um, uh, an American friend of mine, she came up from London to uh, to watch Newcastle the and James Park the first time she'd been there, and she was just blown away. But it was like. It was like one of those you think like if you it's all, I always feel like saying well, I don't ever go to another Newcastle match again because I just mm-hmm. want that to be it's that to be like your memory of, of seeing James's Park and watching Newcastle um, but I think obviously as part of it now we've probably got a bit of a book so she was kind of looking at the fixtures between now and the end of the season to see if she could get it up, get up against so, uh, so there you go just I just a big brilliant deal all around and um, one that we're going to milk now until the, the Huddersfield game no doubt Yeah you need to bring more guests Norman to um to games, I'm sure the West Ham home game you had your uh, your nephew there from the Isle of Wight or something. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, more more guests uh, from the Norman Riley social circle or family. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just and I know it was away from the game, but just the results could not have gone any better. It was just absolutely perfect. Um, you had Swansea and Huddersfield drawing. You had West Ham imploding, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, you had who else got beat West Brom hilarious 4-1 at home you know never has a fan base been proved as spectacularly right as us about Alan Pardew never has a never, it, it's it's like I don't know what to say just how I mean we were in the aware Norman when Newcastle fans were singing you getting Pardew in the morning it's not like no one warned them <laughs> they, were, they were warned about what happened Sunderland getting beat and their keeper getting sent off was hilarious um, always lovely to have that big cheer at full time when they read out the one championship results of your local rival uh, when they get beat um, so yeah it was just an absolutely brilliant day to be there and I'm sure everyone who watched around the world as well enjoyed it on, on TV and, and listened on the radio and all that kind of stuff we had a great day yesterday coming up this week for patrons and then we'll release everybody we've got Mick Lowe's interviewed Mick Lowe's obviously I'm sure me, me and Sai certainly grew up with Mick Lowe's on Metro Radio then Radio Newcastle um, is the voice of Newcastle United for me? What a, me and Mickey had a brilliant uh, forty-five minutes to an hour with Mick before the game yesterday. He was just he's just up as a fan, by the way. He's just a fan of uh, Newcastle United. He'd come to watch the game these days, and then um, we also had a chat with um, Super Mac, Malcolm McDonald, Mickey McMartin, Wallace Wilson of True Faith. Had a chat with Super Mac. That'll be up this week, and uh, finally Norman and Mark Corby basically talked for six days about the eighty-nine ninety season. Uh, so that podcast will be up as well. Uh, later in the week so thanks to everyone who subscribed to Extra Content on Patreon over 200 people now which is brilliant we wanted 200 by maybe the end of the season starting next season so we're well ahead of schedule we're getting a lot of positive feedback £5 a month for um, two to four extra shows a week including the, the match day podcast which is recorded at the games and then after the games me and Sai are certainly well me anyway Sai hadn't had a drink I'm a lot more sober now than I was last night on the match day podcast but I'll put the link in um, the podcast description for that if you're interested do give it a go Back to the main thing at hand though, lads. 
I mean, Nash Dog asks us, is it six or seven more points signed? Do you think that's it? Are we safe? Is it done? Or do we still have to be a little bit more wary considering the fact that, you know, as, as far as I'm aware, according to the, the, to the lads in the press who, you know, these pundits who know everything, David Moyes, what a job. What a job he's done at West Ham. They're safe. Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson, what a job Roy Hodgson's done. They're in the fucking relegation zone, so is it too early, too early to be saying that we're safe? Um, you can't take anything for granted. Obviously, if, if any of these teams manage to put together a couple of results like Swansea did, things can change, you know. If you've got Arsenal and Liverpool willing to give up points to Swansea, they could do it again to, right. to these teams. So we still need to just focus on our own on our own fixtures and, and the, the points we can still get. And yeah, six is probably enough. So two more wins. And you'd like to think now off the back of that performance that they could come from anywhere. It's not even about like we've got Huddersfield and West Brom to play at home. It's also like we've well, got Arsenal at home got Leicester away, we've got Everton away. These are all teams that can beat playing like we did yesterday. So I think yesterday's performance com- combined with just the last few weeks in the Man U game as well, we're just, we're just playing so well and you think, I'm, I'm no longer worried about relegation. Yesterday was just such a big relief and today I'm not even buzzing at how good the, the, the game was. I'm just buzzing at that kind of, the relief that, that, that comes with what feels now like we've really kind of pulled ourselves clear of the relegation picture, at least for now. Obviously, the, so obviously, 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 just like the, the, the psychological side of it's even bigger. So, um, from what I've just said before, it's it's about the fact that we're five points clear. Like Southampton now, where do they go from here? They've just been hammered at us. So, even if we don't don't you know win the next three games or beat beat Huddersfield, you just think we've left that gap there now. That the the pressure's off. We're and we can just kind of go about our business of the last eight games and just. Just pick up the points when we need to under no real pressure. I don't think people are looking at the league table now thinking, you know what, Newcastle are right in this. They're looking at those bottom four or five teams and thinking it's three out of them now. So just that pressure being off means that we can just go... We still need to get points. We still need to stay focused. But it just doesn't feel like the the danger and, and pressure of relegation is there anymore. I think that if you look at the other clubs around us, um, you know, Miles Lambert tweeted us and said, it's great to see other clubs imploding. And it is, it's like, yeah. this would normally be us at this stage of the season. Even in the seasons we stayed up in the Carver and Pardew, we were still having absolute mares, being the team that was dropping like a stone. If you look at, we're now five points clear of Southampton and Stoke. Five points, which is, I mean, Stoke have got a game in hand against Manchester City tomorrow night, which you'd hope they'd lose. Um, five points clear with a, an infinitely superior goal difference, better than both. By the way, Palace should have been done six or seven last night at Chelsea. How that ended up 2-1, I'll never know. Yeah. Um, but still, and you've got to think, those clubs are now thinking, on your castle out of it? Is, it. is it three from four? It's probably not, but is it three from four? You know, the likes of Huddersfield, the likes of uh, one or two other teams have got some tough fixtures, but if you look at Newcastle on 32 points with eight games to go, with Rafa Benitez in charge and the team playing this one and the former in, you, I mean, I've not looked at the odds for the Bookies, but Newcastle have got to be one of the favourites to stay up in, term, in terms of teams that are still in the relegation battle. Yeah. And that's a brilliant position to be in. And, you know, we've talked about it before, um, that whenever this team have to win, and I wrote about it in my special, uh, I wrote about it uh, in the editorial for the New True Faith. Of course, New True Faith out the way, best one ever, even though I'm biased. Uh, 82 pages of genuine fan written content. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast as well, this, this description of this podcast, there's going to be loads of fucking links, but never mind. Um, it's like, please give it a read. Um, obviously, myself and Norman are editor and deputy editor. And uh, if you like the podcast, you should really listen to it. Uh, we'll have about 7,000 regular readers, 7,000 people read it each issue. So we're hoping to grow that. And it's completely free for Newcastle United fans uh, well, and all fans. Um, so please give it a read. But anyway, back to the point in hand. Um, I think of the games this season that we had to win, and I think of West Ham at home, 
after losing the first two, after losing in the Cup to Forest, it was like the transfer window is still open. Rafael was not happy with the ownership, and it was like if we and West Ham are bottom. Um, if we didn't lose those games, get in. There's the highlights again, and again on the Sky Sports News. <laughs> what a ball this is! I, more of that later. Um, but um, I, you know, and we won that game comfortably, and then beyond that, we went to West Ham away in the relegation zone. What did we do? We won. Then we had a couple of ropey results after that. We played Stoke away. And if, if Stoke had, had beaten one, I think they might have either gone clear or above in the league. And we beat them 1-0. A couple of weeks ago, Man United at home. What happens in the relegation zone? You know, your social media fannies are, are imploding. Relegation zone. Huddersfield beat Bournemouth, blah, blah, blah. We did them 1-0. And then again yesterday, is, is given with this huge, huge gap between the teams below. And while you're right, Cy Rafa and the lads certainly won't be talking about jobs done or letting anyone off the hook or making sure that Huddersfield at home isn't a massive game but if we beat Huddersfield if we beat Huddersfield and we'll have 35 points with 7 games to go which might already be enough we will stay up and that's a great position to be in so if you look at the Huddersfield and West Brom games that those 6 points there take one of 38 and that's a fantastic position to find ourselves in and we've got the other 6 games there to pick up the points we need and you know what like we said I think we could be closer to 8th than we could be to the bottom 3 by the end of the season Norman, uh, just to get your thoughts on this one now, kind of going home on the train last night and, and waking up this morning, do you think yesterday's win was as, as, as simple and as big as when I was safe for next season? You expect us to be playing Premier League football next season? I expect us to be uh, playing Premier League football next season, but obviously we're still going to have enough points. If, if, we, if we finish the season on 32 points, we're, we're getting relegated. So I, we need to get, I would say we need to probably get to like 37 points, um, but... If you look, we've got, what, 32 points from 29 games, is it? Or two, from 30 games? 30 right. games. So, um, right, from the right. And, and about average, so, averaging just over a point a game, and I don't see that changing between now and the end of the season. So, we're going to end up with, um, we're probably going to end up with sort of like 38, 39 points. I don't, I don't, I don't doubt it. Um, and also, Huddersfield and West Brom, by the time we play West Brom, they're probably going to be gone in anyways. Um, so... There's, there's, there's three points you would think. Huddersfield, if we beat Huddersfield, that's obviously three more points for us. And it came less for Huddersfield to get the points that they need. So, and that'll be a massive kick in the teeth for them as well. So, I'm, I am, I'm supremely confident that um, that we've got, we've got enough. Um, I'm not, I'm not gonna sort of. It's hard, it's hard not to sit here and think. You know what? Yesterday was like monumental. Like, well, we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine because obviously you didn't want to get too far ahead, far ahead of yourself. But um, the way that. The way that the players are kind of are, are, are playing at the minute, like the togetherness and the, the determination, um, it really, really sets us up well for the last eight games of the season. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very confident that we're, that we're going to do it. Um, just get, just get, just get those six points in, in as soon as possible, and then we can, we can kind of switch off and really enjoy the last uh, four or five games of the season. Yeah, to, to yeah. Be- I look forward to hopefully rebuilding in the summer and uh, starting again. That would be brilliant. I mean, it would be so nice. I can't make Watford on a wedding, but it would be so nice for the fan base to head to Watford without any da- like danger of relegation. Yeah. Turn over Watford because we're meant and, uh, and and heading to that last game with against Chelsea and just have a right good go at them. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does look very bright. And, you know, three weeks without a game, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the, the time during that. Three weeks without a game is, is difficult. Um, I'd probably rather we're playing next week, to be honest with you, against Huddersfield. But... Si, it's an international break, and as you've said many times, Newcastle come back from international breaks and are always very good. The more time Rafa has with the players in the training ground, the better Newcastle United get. 
I mean, side tells me wrong, but I think that's a fact. That's not opinion. Um, it's fact. Um, no, I think you're right. We did the maths last year. Like every time we came back after um, after an international break, we were romped to a victory. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was some. There was like Wigan and Derby last season. I'm sure, and just just um, big results. And it's it obviously down to the fact that Rafa has more time to prepare. I mean, 21 days is a bit excessive. We're doing <laughs> 21 days to prepare for Huddersfield to the point where Rafa's talking about uh, taking the lads abroad and, and finding a friendly somewhere because 21 days is a mental amount of time to go without a game. But you know what? A friendly, and you, you know, you'll probably set it up in a way that the, the team the, they play against is identical to Huddersfield <laughs> and set up. And that's, that's just how, how meticulous the man is. And yeah, it just, it, it's a shame because we're on such a high and you just want more football matches to come. But at the same time, it gives me even more confidence that, that when we come back after these 21 days, this team will be ready to to put in the same kind of performance and put, put Huddersfield to bed and then we really will be talking about job done. Yeah. No, Norman, just before we move on to the match itself and we'll talk football, um, West Ham imploding on and off the pitch. I, I know you wanted to have a couple of words on that. Hi. Hi. Um, uh, I, I totally get why the West Ham fans are um, protesting. I mean, we, we've had we've had this... We've had this for years. Ownership that like like does not give a shit um, and just wants to milk milk it as a as a financial opportunity, an opportunity to market whatever it is that they're selling, an opportunity to make money, whatever you want. It's just unadulterated like capitalist greed running the clubs and um, the West Ham fans. They feel like they've had feel like they've had identity ripped away from them and they've got an ownership or who are you know up there with Mike Ashley in terms of being horrible. The only difference is that they've they've invested. Uh, more financially than, uh, than than Ashley probably has, and you know if you, if you look at it, you kind of as a as a percentage. Um, and what they've done is as well is they've got that stadium for next to nothing, which was you know which was a real piss take out of um, out of UK taxpayers. I mean, that, that, that's another argument perhaps. But the West Ham fans have just got the end of, end of the tether, and you, you can't blame them. And now look, I'm not like uh, I'm not saying that run on the pitch is a like, uh, you know I'm, I'm saying I'm not condoning it, but to a certain extent, I think I think we can all kind of. Um, Sympathise with it, um, and I think that obviously the, the the reaction as well. Now, of course, I wasn't there, so I, I don't know what the, the sentiment was. How was the the kind of reaction of you know like from from the mainstream footballing people of it being a disgrace? I mean, well, it's not. It's, it's understandable frustration being vented, and um, what I find funny is uh, obviously the stick that Newcastle fans have had over the years for protesting Ashley and all like, oh, be grateful for what you got at Kobe Bruce, blah blah, and then. This has happened West Ham, and you had like the, the Sunday supplement people on, on Sky, and, and I really watch it because I, you know football journalists in the UK tend to, from your, your kind of tabloid press, tend to, tend to be a bit a little bit annoying um, and patronising towards Newcastle fans. But this morning, one of them had said like, well, the thing is, you've got to look at the squad. You know, the net spends tiny. They've only got a net spend of thirty million this season. And you're thinking, hold on a second, like, we have we have we had like kind of the, the, these mainstream tabloid people coming out and saying, well, you know what, actually. Um, Benitez has had virtually no to spend. And two seasons ago, West Ham was spunking a load of money in the pillage. And they're paying players like uh, Hernandez 100 grand a week. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, but you can't, you know, it's like the squad is poor and, uh, you know, they haven't spent much. And you're just thinking, well, am, am I missing something? Yeah. Like, and also, you, I think you've you maybe alluded to it, the the kind of praise that Moyes has been getting for the job he's doing at West Ham. I mean, the below us on the table have spent a lot more money than us. And you just think, I don't know, I don't know, I mean... Of course, it's, of course, it's not a conspiracy. I might just be being daft, but at the same time, it, it does it kind of anger you slightly. You think, for God's sake, you know, like just wake up. We we next note, and we've 
John, I think it's just about time that he started getting praise from the um, from the kind of mainstream. I mean, I shouldn't really care about it, but you know, it does it does kind of it does kind of great now and again. So you got it. It's gone from a West Ham discussion into me wanting Rafa and uh, the squad to get more praise nationally. There you <laughs> go. <and> that's, <laughs> when when that, that's that, there you go. And the, the West Ham the West Ham pitch invasion has made me angry that Rafa. And the squad aren't getting enough praise. I don't know what that tells you about me, but there you go. Well, it, it is funny. Chris from Maitland tweeted us saying how many points would Newcastle get deducted if any of our fans did what they did yesterday? And as you correctly alluded to, Norman, the, the criticism that sections of the fan base have had in the past, the criticism that the fans and the manager have had this year about Mike Ashley and basically people just going on the television like Craig Bellamy, Dennis Wise, people on TalkSport and just telling lies about the financial stability of the club and the no debt and all the rest of it. But um, what I find most funny is, like, if you look at the, the two weekends apart, last Saturday night, Newcastle were being criticised as a pundit for being a Champions League team, but not having the players for that pundit to sustain himself at the required level for international football. So we were getting criticised for that. And then this week, it seems like West Ham have received less criticism for basically interrupting the Premier League game. And I, I get where you're coming from, Roman, but if, if the fan, West Ham fans are protesting about the stadium move, then that's one thing, and I'm totally behind them. But as you say, they've broken that transfer record many times. The, 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 apart from the stadium thing, which is a disgrace, it's a separate thing. On purely football terms as being bad owners, they're not in the same league as Mike Ashley. Not that I'm an expert, but that's but the, you know, the, the, the media reaction is quite funny, how West Ham fans deserve better. West Ham fans deserve this. Whereas we, we allegedly don't and should be happy with Mike Ashley's leadership of the club. But everyone... Everyone listening knows a crack on that. So we'll move on to some actual football and um, just how fucking amazing yesterday was. It was an absolute privilege to be at St James's Park, and I don't use that word lightly for reasons we've gone into. Um, so Norman, what went so right yesterday? Was it all us, or was it a bit of Southampton being absolutely pathetic as well? Norman, right? Um, I, I, I think. Uh, when I wrote the match report, I um I started. I think I started like with a with a caveat that yes, when um Southampton were bad yesterday, they they were disjointed. They looked like they didn't have a formation. They clearly they like, got a load of players who were just saying they're not listening to the manager or doing care. But but we did score within two minutes, so you know their heads would have gone straight straight at that. We we just went for them. I mean, we went for them from kick off. The the goal itself within the first what seventy odd seconds was just. Through sheer determination from kickoff, um, I mean the finish was the, the ball from Shelby in the finish was, was just sublime. Uh, so I Southampton Southampton's heads dropped, but at the same time we we still we still had a job to do. The team had a job to do, and they just executed it perfectly. So so I I'll leave it I'll leave the fact that Southampton that's it parked because it it, it, it it we can't allow that to take anything away from the fact that every single player was just up for it from the word gun and. Getting the early goal was huge. Even, even the celebrations, like the the kind of roar from from the crowd, was it was just massive, wasn't it? The whole thing just felt massive, and um, it, it was every every aspect of it. Tactically, absolutely bang on. Um, the crowd was up for it, and the players are just playing with a determination that um, it's like it's gone up a notch. It, uh, just when you think that like, the you know the the players. You, Rafa can't extract like another you know, ounce of determination from them. He's got it, and they're just they're just pushing so hard to get to the to the safety line. And um, I it was it was like you said, mate. It was it was an absolute privilege to be there. Um, 
well obviously going to individual performances um, but as a collective as a collective it was just I've never I've never seen I haven't seen in a long 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 time it togetherness like that on the pitch it was brilliant totally agree absolutely totally agree um, and Josh Meredith tweeted us saying what would Jermaine Genius make of that one and he was he was fairly complimentary what you, I mean what else could you be they're fairly complimentary about that performance um, but yeah just an absolutely brilliant performance I, I suppose for me one of the positive things and I said this uh, beforehand on the match day um, was that Newcastle I was worried about the game being a draw because Southampton absolutely love a draw um, don't concede many or so I thought had a decent away record or so I thought um, but that was totally put to bed by the start that we made. And I know we scored the goal within 65 seconds or whatever, and that's brilliant. But even before that, Dwight Gale nearly gets on the end of one. And we just we genuinely seem to have men ahead of the ball far more in the opening stages. Now, Newcastle and the Rafa, even in the Championship, we were quite slow starters. I mean, for us scoring a goal that early, I'll probably have to go back off the top of my head. I should have researched QPR at home last year. Maybe, John Joe Shelby. Um, but rare, you know, rarely have we scored or started a game that well, and it kind of shows you the intensity and the fact that Rafa and the lads and the players probably thought even before that game we can beat these here. This isn't Burnley at home. This isn't some of the other home games where we've kind of come into the game a bit more slowly. It was a really positive, frenetic uh, start, and it was just so so good to to get off to a to a flyer like that and and score such a brilliant goal. And even after the first goal. Gale, brilliant ball by Shelby. I don't even think this one got on the highlights of the match of the day. Brilliant ball by Shelby. Great run by Gale and hits his knee and goes through to the keeper. That could have been 2 0 in about five minutes. That was brilliant. Um, and, you know, if you look at the. the I mean, I want to talk about the goal side with Sai in a second. But, is it Lamina? How, how much did he cost? Do either of you, either of you know? Southampton? I mean, I think he was quite. Um, ex- go on, on. Is he, I thought he was on loan. I thought he was on loan from Juventus. Is he on loan, is he? Well, well, he came with a lot of pedigree anyway. I mean, Mio, Mo, Mio, Mo Diarmi yesterday ended his career realistically in the Premier League. And I, and I know it's hyperbolic, but he he was terrified of Mo. And that's the, that's the brilliant thing about Mo Diarmi, who was playing like a £50 million footballer. That midfield two of Shelby and, um, Shelby and, Kabai, Shelby and uh, Mo Diarmi, um, you know, I, I was going to say, we, we got asked a question on Twitter um, about... <laughs> You know those two by Guy uh, Guy Abrahami saying are these two as good as um, Kabai and Teote? I'll put that to you in a second, lads. But Diarmi just he just puts his foot in where players don't expect it to go. You can tell Lamini yesterday once. I think it was there uh, the chance where Perez nearly got played in. Oh no, it was the chance where um, Gale uh, shot and the keeper got down well to save. But you think maybe Perez should have taken the shot on because we're so close to each other. Diarmi wins the ball off Lamina twice in about 30 seconds when Lamina, not only is he not expecting to lose the ball, he's not expecting Diarmi to make a challenge. It's one of those things in the Premier League where I'm in possession and you're third of the pitch, you're going to stand off me and I'm going to look for an option. And Diarmi has kind of transcended that and just thought, nah, I'm coming for you, I'm getting the ball and we're going to turn over possession and, and start a counter-attack. And the counter-attacks yesterday, obviously, as we're coming to the second goal in the second, is where we looked so dangerous and that's the progression under Rafa, particularly from earlier in the season. And last season, we weren't a counter-attacking team. We did score the odd goal on the counter, but we're obviously a team that dominated possession, dominated play. And that's what a lot of teams struggle with when they come up to this this level is not having a lot of the ball and as the season's gone on we've just perfected that technique of playing without the ball but being far more dangerous and I don't know what the possession stats were yesterday but I know Southampton had more of the ball and we we were just miles better than there was only one team in it um, 
But Modiame's performances are just exceptional. And it's doing little things like that. Breaking up possession, winning headers, making himself available. He doesn't play many raking balls. He has the ability. He doesn't play many killer passes. But the balls he does play are all so well-placed. He picks the right option every time. And it's just an absolute pleasure to watch him play football at the moment. But I'll return to the first goal, side At the other end of the pitch to us. So I just presumed it had looped off of the defender's head and fallen quite nicely for, for him. But that wasn't the case, was it? No, I mean, I was, seconds before Shelby played that pass, I was berating the ref for playing advantage. It's like, what kind of advantage is that ref? Because Shelby's got about four players around him. Like, and it's like, well, we'll just take the free kick ref. But no, he picks out a 40-yard dink over the top to, to Kendi, who as soon as as soon as soon um, Shelby receives the ball, Kendi starts his run. That's what, like, the, the coordination of that is brilliant. So he starts running, thinking there's going to be a ball here. And then Shelby plays it. And yeah, it's, it, it looked like a bounce off a defender or something. But obviously seeing the replays back this morning... He manages to chest it up to himself and then completely turn the defender inside out. And, and slot. It's, it's a class goal. <laughs> and ping a pass to keep it. It's, it. All three goals are mint, but that was unreal. I've seen a few comments. People saying it was better than Bergkamp's at St. James's Park. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fantastic, fantastic advantage played from the referee there. <laughs> yeah, not an easy job as it's like refereeing. <laughs> Got people in the crowd berating you. Um, yeah, and then you know the second goal as well. The thing that impressed me so much about the second goal is how much more our lads wanted it. And if you yeah. watch the replay, Matt Ritchie is busting a gut to get up there. Now, he gets nowhere near because he's dead slow. <laughs> but he's still he's still trying. Yeah. And if you compare Dwight Gale and, and Ryan... Um, who's Nathan Redmond? Dwight Gale and Nathan Redmond. Nathan Redmond's fast. They, they start almost level in our half. And by the time that you see the, the ball played from Gale across to Kennedy... Redmond's out the picture because yeah. our, it just looked like Southampton were just like we're not going to catch these here brilliant by Perez we'll have to say brilliant by Perez um, well, the, the, the ball it was from their corner which, which well, I didn't realise the corner's funny and I'm, I'm going to give I know Gail gets the assist really but I'm going to and Perez deserves an assist but I'm going to give Mo Diame the assist because <laughs> Lamina's terrible air, air scissor kick when he totally misses the ball I'm not going to put it down on lack of professionalism I'm not going to put it down on lack of concentration after what Mo Diame had done to him very recently, he's probably terrified that Moore was anywhere near him within a five ten meter radius. Yeah. And PTSD. You've got, yeah. You got to like, basically develop PTSD within within the match. Yeah, PTSD within the match. He was just a shell. He was just a shell of a shell of a man. <laughs> so I mean, Sai, let, let's talk a little bit about this um, this second goal because it's it's got to be one of the best goals we've seen at St James's since the first goal um, in a long time. You know, we'll, we'll <laughs> contacted on. Um, on Twitter, someone uh, to say that Perez's little delayed pass uh, was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know Perez in that goal side. Why don't you just give him lots of love for it? Yeah, un- unreal. I mean, it's it's the it's what we've wanted from Perez all season. It's probably what he's been trying to do all season with with little luck. And you know, as as this team grows in confidence, Perez comes into the game more. When the team's lacking confidence, he's a luxury player and he and he finds himself in not the team. But yeah, he picks up the ball just up from from the corner, obviously just outside his own box and just runs and we know we've, we've lamented the, um, Perez's lack of pace for years he's not very fast but with the ball he did, he, he goes as fast as he does sprinting without it which is a, which is a difficult skill and he carries the ball about 50 yards and then he's got a decision to make he's got uh, Kennedy screaming with the ball on his left and Gale who as he said is overlapped on the right hand side and he, so, he sort of shimmies it doesn't he he feigns to go with his right foot to Kennedy Absolutely does the defender again because the defender stops thinking he's played the ball and then he hits it with his left foot to Gale. So I think that's what the um, Matthew from Matthew from Twitter saying. 
and it, it, it completely wrong foot to defender. So, so Gale's just left free with the ball to pick out that pass for Kennedy. So that goal's all Perez. It might you might say it's the army, but <laughs> Perez deserves all the credit for that. And then, yeah, it was a fucking brilliant performance from him throughout the game. Listen, let's just share the praise. Dubravka <laughs> in goal, brilliant. The the reason the corner was shite was because they knew Dubravka would catch it. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, just a, just a brilliant goal. It was there was so many great moments yesterday, which we we'll go into, but like brilliant moment. And the, the best thing about those counter attacking goals is the whole stadium was on its feet before the ball went into the yeah. net because everyone's just like, here we're gone. What an opportunity this is. Perez, he's so direct when he carries the ball and sometimes it looks really bad. I think it was a moment before that where we're in a, not as not as good a position, but counter-attacking. He carried the ball quite far and then he just kind of ran into a Southampton defender. I remember looking at Norman thinking, fucking hell, that was shite. <laughs> but then that's the kind of player he is. And I think the statistics for Perez... Um, out of the team compared to in the team we've only won one game of the seven or eight he hasn't started I think it's eight games he hasn't started we've only won one where we've won seven of the 21 or something that he has started so as in the team we, we are a better team without with I would say Perez in the team and regardless of what some people think of him and we've been critical of him this season as well and in the past he's definitely worth it and he's probably definitely a Premier League player um, the better the team gets I think he, he more than anyone else maybe Shelby the better the team gets and the more confident and the more attacking the team gets, he will benefit more than anyone else and we'll, we'll see him do even better. Norman, just uh, give me a word on Kennedy there. Um, you know, Ben's got in touch. So a few of the lads doubt that Kennedy had any interest beyond this loan. Do you think days like yesterday might turn his head, presuming we're stumped up the cash? Um, well, uh, just let me say something quickly um, before I answer that question because I... I need, I need to I need to correct myself. Lamina, you're right. Lamina was bought by Southampton for fourteen and a half million. Um, so I yesterday he was a he, yesterday he wasn't made it look like somebody won the the double the double the event. And there's, there's another another they have this midfielder, big most destroyed. You know, put Alan Cook Pogba on that. Um, so I massive praise to more, more, more for that. Um, but with, with regards to Kennedy, I don't. know. I mean, obviously the, the romantic part here likes to think that. He got two goals yesterday. He saw St. James's Park at its best. You know, he was given a lot of love from the from the fans. He could come to the, he could come to Newcastle and be like, like a real, real hero. Um, whereas at Chelsea, obviously, he's his opportunities might might be limited next season. Um, by all accounts, Conte seems to rate him, and he needs he wants him to be getting regular Premier League football. That's why he allowed him to come to us. Um, and the and they didn't let him go until they kind of bought bought a replacement for him in the squad in the window. Um, I a big part of me wants to come, but you've just got to look at the transfer fee. I mean, how, how much would he cost? And is that the kind of money that Newcastle United are, are willing to spend? Um, I don't know. You, 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 what, would you, what do you think you'd be looking at? Like 20 million for Kennedy? Yeah, probably. So are, are we are we, are we in the summer going to, like, you know, like, okay, all right, so we stay up and apparently we get all the Premier League money and, and actually releases the, the funds to Rafa. Um, brilliant if he puts a bid in for him. Um, and obviously, the. What you have is you've got him working with Rafa for another couple of months and possibly enjoying Rafa's methods, settling into the area, really making a connection with the crowd. All these, all these might be factors that that play into influencing him, influencing him. But um, for now, I'm not going to look too far ahead. I, I just love having him here. Rafa wanted him for two consecutive winners, and there's clearly there's a, there's a reason. He saw something in him that maybe I don't know other clubs he been on loan at didn't because he didn't he wasn't really given much of a chance. Um, but Rafa is. Brilliant! It's spotting like a, it's talent that nobody else seems to see, and um, 
he did the same. He's done the same. He's done the same. Bravka, um, you know, he he got performances out of Gruvan that I don't think any of us ever thought would worry. Um, he's changed the army. He's changed Paul Dummett, who I'm sure we'll, we'll go into. So, so maybe, maybe you know, Kennedy will uh, look at him and my career can really, really advance under this bloke. But um, for now, for now, I'm just going to enjoy having him at the club for the next couple of months because he's because my word, he's a fucking talent, like no doubt about it. Totally agree. Um, one of the things, probably the two players yesterday that caught the eye most from just a pure graft point of view was Diarmi and Kennedy and how quickly they closed down. And Kennedy was, I mean, he's been a bit quiet. He was poor at Liverpool. He didn't really have a kick at Bournemouth. Um, he was, you know, effective against Man United. But yesterday, it just he's just seemed reinvigorated, probably by the goal, if anything. And, you know, these, these blokes are human and Maybe maybe he sees himself on another level. Maybe he's he's the modern day Jermaine genius, but might not be a prick about it in twenty years on national television. But that goal just seemed to give him an extra five or ten, you know, meter start in his legs. He was in the face of um, Southampton's right side. I mean, we, we just didn't see Redmond as an attacking force yesterday. I think there was one time he got one on one with Dummett in the second half, uh, in the first half, which led to the corner, which was scored from I think. Um, but yeah, he, he he's such a an. Uh, a positive defensive force when he's able to close down and harry the opposition like that. There was times in the first half where he was drifting inside without opposition, and I was thinking, shit, they can overload on the left hand side here. And both him and Diarmi, Diarmi's playing on the uh, left hand side of midfield, both of them just straight over with the work rate was incredible. And that's what that was one of the key differences between the sides yesterday. You the tactical setup. The skill that to execute the three brilliant goals was scored, but also the work rate of our lads compared to theirs was compared to theirs, which is night and day. And it's brilliant to say we're talking about it a lot this season, and that, that's why Watford at home aside, Everton at home wasn't great, and there's been one or two games that weren't great. But Watford at home aside, you cannot question this set of lads. And I've never been able to say that before as a Newcastle United fan in in what about 10, 15 years. Um, even under Pod during the 11 12 season, they were had off days getting done five at Spurs, getting done four, five at Fulham. That just ha- doesn't happen to this group of lads who are way less able in terms of their ability, but the, the fact that they work so hard and, and, and like Kennedy, like you say, who couldn't really get it looking at Chelsea, he currently looks good enough for Chelsea in my book. Maybe not better than some of the players they've got playing left wing, um, but he looks like a, a real player and he's a real asset to the team. And again, I go back to it. Imagine if we'd got him at the start of the season. You, you, you kind of think we might have at least at least a couple more points on the board. Yeah, he's been the missing piece of that counter-attacking force that that we've had to you know adopt as a as a kind of game plan this season. We, we just we didn't have enough about us to go up and score goals when we're when we're keeping games tight. But with Kennedy and the team, and obviously Diarmi performing as he is and and kind of changing that mentality of the midfield, we suddenly just we look threatening while also being totally totally defensively sound, which. Early in the season, we defended well, but we just didn't have enough enough of a goal threat. And just that one player just brought so much balance to our attack. And instead of it all going down the right with Richie, and it's just yeah, it's it's just wonderful to have him here. But no need to get carried away. Let's just enjoy it, as as Norman says. Let me let let's let's go into the the third goal now, and because we've had, been asked a few questions about John Joe Shelby, and he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. We were in the pub, and when whoever showed me that I was pissed, I can't remember whoever showed me the starting lineup. Um, <laughs> said Shelby's back and it was just like give everyone a lift everyone in the whole you know even the Marino would have done fine to give everyone a lift and I mean you know imperative for the first goal um, crucial for the second goal Richie Smith I swear he'd become a better player purely and simply because he's learned to tackle um, I just think we're seeing him in the right areas of the pitch and we've alluded to it a lot the worst of John Joe Shelby is picking the ball up from the centre-backs 
and spraying the ball, even though that's probably what he has traditionally thought made him um, a good player or was, it was his best stuff. The example that you see with him is that would be so good is that third goal when he's picking the ball up in the last third of the pitch that's where he's most dangerous and you can see the Southampton players even though it was bizarre that he wasn't doubled up on but never mind the Southampton players didn't want to tackle him they didn't want to commit they worried about him they let him bring the ball down carry the ball and it's like that's where John Drew Shelby needs to play now it's not always possible as a good centre midfielder and Richie's completely right that he is doing the work which he hasn't done previously that you know, being able to put a foot in, being able to turn over possession, being able to make sure he's there as a defensive outlet and as a defensive asset in terms of tackling players when he's there, uh, when he's needed. But it's just so good to see him in the right half of the pitch doing. It was the same last season. We kind of said the same thing. You know, Dan Catfield asked, "Are we reliant on Shelby staying fit to stay up?" I wouldn't go that far. I think we'll have enough points now. I think we could beat Huddersfield and West Brom comfortably without Shelby. However, it's a hell of a lot more difficult, and I think Shelby's teammates all respect his ability, and you can see by how often they look for him and how often he shows for the ball and has given it. And I think that's different to last year. I used to watch him in the championship, particularly at home, when we were in the corner room, Block V now, but we were much closer to the pitch last year. And he would get frustrated. He would move towards a centre-back. He would move towards Jack Colbeck or Isaac Hayden or whoever and demand the ball. And he wouldn't get it and he'd throw his arms up. Now, if he doesn't get the ball, he doesn't throw his arms up. And now he does get the ball quite a lot because the team knows how important he is. Um... To, to, to everything that we do but it's and it's absolutely brilliant to, to see him performing this well and I'll go back to the question that we were asked earlier I can't remember who asked it but someone said is this Norman will ask you are Shelby and Diame up there with Teotihuacan and Kabai or we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here um, God that's such a that's such a difficult question to answer because uh, obviously you know we, that we're talking about the one season with Thierry and Caballon, but really the 11-12 season where they were, where they were absolutely magnificent. Um, I can't, I can't compare them honestly. I can't compare them and to a certain extent. I don't want to compare them because that's a different team, different era, and um, and what we have now is um, two two players who kind of you know. There's an argument um, that the that they're combining and it's it's kind of that they're playing. Like again, they're playing bigger than the kind of some of the parts. But then you know what? You look at the both. They're both just good players. Um, and also, I suppose uh, with these two, as much as I love the Kabai Tiotia partnership, um, you kind of. But uh, so in the back of your mind, you always kind of knew that these were two players who were probably maybe looking at Newcastle as a as a stepping stone. Um, whereas obviously, you know, this is probably Diomi's last big hurrah, um, and I don't think. Shelby's looking at Newcastle United as a, as a, as a stepping stone as much as Kabai was. Um, if you if you're kind of doing a direct comparison in terms of the roles of play, you know you can you can see like Kabai, Shelby, Tiote, uh, Diarmia. So I think I prefer I prefer these two because I just feel that um, I feel that they're here as long as Rafa's here for, for for the next couple of seasons, and I think that they'll they'll maintain this level of performance as well. Um, on Shelby, you you alluded to it there. I tell you what, I think a big, you can always tell them. You can look at you look at the shape of his body when he's on the pitch, and if he's kind of shoulders are hunched and he's he's got that kind of angry look in his face, you just know that it's you don't know what you're going to get from him. But at the minute, he's playing with like a it looks like he's really enjoying it, and it makes such a difference when Shelby's head's in the right place. He's a phenomenal player, and right now his head is in the right place. Um, and I it's it's, it's just great to see him long may it continue, and hopefully it's a hopefully it's a sign of his maturity as well. Um, and obviously. Maybe in the back of his mind there is a part of him thinking like if I step up then I could be a, a surprise contender for for the World Cup um, later on this year. Um, 
But I, to get back to your question, um, Sodded, I'm going to say I prefer um, I prefer Diomi and Shelby just because I think I'm, I'm basically in love with the pair of them right now. So there you go. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I yeah, um, I, I would uh, comparing the both. I mean, Teoti had that one good season, as you say, but I think Diomi is doing everything that that Teoti used to do in terms of as a partner to Kabai in terms of breaking up the play, winning the ball, and and feeding Shelby. But Teoti was always terrible on the ball, and and after we lost Kabai, there was a lot of reliance on him to to both win the ball and then do something with it, which he wasn't really capable of doing. Whereas Diomi somehow is, and he's like, you know, if Shelby's not there for a pass. Diomi can do something himself, and that's. That's massive to have two centre midfielders who you can trust with the ball. Um, I wouldn't say that Shelby's probably as good as Kabai in terms of his overall contribution. He's getting better every game, and I think, yeah, you're right, we've seen a total change in his attitude and his comments after the game were really nice to hear. He's took an injection for that game, and he, he just wants us to, to help us win games, which is class. Um, the, he just needs to add a few more goals to his game, and then he is a really complete centre midfielder, but at the minute, he's he's doing everything we need from him, and it, it's, it's, it's a weird comparison, but... You know, they've both got the potential, if they carry on like this, to become a much more memorable midfield partnership for Newcastle. Yep. Yeah, well said, Si. I totally agree. And I think I think this team, in my opinion, both this season and moving forwards, provide, provided the right things are done at boardroom level. Whatever that is, that's a whole different conversation. This team will probably be remembered more fondly as it goes on and it achieves more. Uh, I certainly hope so anyway, because the lads give us absolutely everything most weeks. And you know, Shelby earlier this season was poor and it was no surprise really to find himself out of the team on occasions. Um, you know, so it's not like he hasn't had to come back from, from a little bit of adversity and step his game up because he hasn't. You've got to, you know, I think pe- people in the se- earlier in the season were questioning him not being in the team or Rafa's handling of him. Well, you've got to say Rafa's handled Shelby absolutely perfectly. He's playing the football of his, of his career, in my opinion. More goals and assists would be great, but I mean... Is that he's got an assist there, surely for um, Kennedy and for yeah, Matt Ritchie yesterday. So, you know those um, those stats. The stats are, are really starting to tell to go with the performances. Um, you know, we got asked by uh, Lee Johnson if uh, if girls actually do like Murdiame. Well, if there are any girls, I don't know. <laughs> We're not girls, so I can't say. But if any of those want to get in touch and say yes, they like Murdiame, we fucking love them. So <laughs> is that not enough for you, Mo? <laughs> um, the love of the True Faith podcast. Um, not that he listens but uh, anyway moving on let's let's give I mean we'll talk about the third goal as well I mean Matt, Matt Ritchie he's tried that before a couple of times in the championship that running onto it first time hit along the floor it's just gone wide and a couple of good saves last year tip around the post at first live it looked like a, probably a better goal than it looks because on I don't know on TV it looks slower on TV you think how is the keeper not saved that yeah. I don't know whether that's just me but live you think the keeper's got no chance um, from behind the goal as well it just looked like he bent it around the keeper yeah. it just, just goes perfectly in the corner but you're right the TV replays make it look like actually the keeper should probably do better yeah. but it was such a it was such a good goal you know signs that all are signs that all is well at Newcastle one Rafa taking off his glasses slowly at the full time and putting them in his pocket two Matt Ritchie injuring a fan by kicking a corner flag in his face <laughs> um, we had both of those things yesterday Um and uh, it was just it was just a brilliant goal, and it was so nice for everybody. I mean, the, the atmosphere wasn't wasn't great after the third goal. It was good before that, because it was kind of like like I said, I think the team declared, and people were just like, "Is this it? Like, how is how happened? This is supposed to be this." Basically, you could I've seen it put on Twitter that you could say that Southampton's capitulation yesterday reminded a lot of Newcastle fans about Newcastle's capitulation at St Mary's yeah. in recent years yeah. before Rafa came in, or well. 
this season anyway. Um, Norman, let's talk about other players who did great, and let's talk about two of the back four in uh, Paul Dummett and Florian Lejeune. Dummett and Lejeune, um, I'll, I think I'll probably let you two lads um, wax lyrical about Paul Dummett and you know just the, the sheer beauty of um, of hearing his hearing and taking part in like the, the Paul Dummett chant yesterday. It was just a, a joy to behold. Um, his, I mean, his performance was was just fantastic, and uh, you know that's it's, it's the, the the best thing I can say about it is it's no surprise. It's no surprise how good he was. Um, but as I say, I'll let, I'll let you lads uh, do the hyperbole on on. On dummy, because I, I want to talk about Lejeune a bit. Um, we we were really keen on him after that. You know that the the, the famous twenty minutes against um, against England and Tottenham's Harry Kane, um, <laughs> uh, and then he came back and he was in the back four alongside Clark for most of the time during the bad run, and, he, and his confidence looked shot. And he looked he didn't look very assured, and you just thought, oh, is it maybe going to be one of those where he's going to struggle to adapt to the English game? Um, but since he's come back into the side for Clark and been alongside the cells, he's just been fantastic. He's got better every game. A um, couple of incidents from yesterday with with regards to him. Um, you know, he's, he's blocked was superb yesterday. He, he reads the game really well. He can he can block it and then lay it off, and he's just, he just looks really composed and comfortable. Um, but the second goal, you two lads have probably noticed it. So they won a corner um, from Lejeune. You know, Lejeune putting the ball out from when he won, he won the ball, put it over a corner. And then he wins. He wins the header. That the Mayman, the Lamina, then falls over when the ball goes out. So it's just, it's just little things like that. He's, he's just he's determined. His determination and his uh, his confidence are so high, and he just looked so assured. Um, and I think another part of it, obviously, not only is it playing along, alongside Lascelles, not only is it having Dummett back in the side playing so well, but also, and I think me, me and you say, say yesterday we we kind of looked at each other and nodded a couple of times. Um, Dubravka is put instilling so much confidence into the centre halves. Like he's just, he's just kind of, he's talking to them, he's screaming when it's his ball. You know, he's telling, he's, he's positioning players, and it's just having a, a, an overall impact. That's a real, uh, a real joy to the world. Um, I, Lascelles and Lejeune for, for me are they're just they were, they were centre half pairing. No, there's no, there's no argument, is there? They are, they are centre half pairing, and um, I am just delighted. I'm delighted to, I'm delighted to see him kind of. Fulfill the undoubted potential that we we kind of spotted in that in that first game, and um, I I let you lads I let you lads talk about them a bit, or I'll go on I'll go on the dummy for tie. Just just to pair them up, pair them on my favourite players on the pitch yesterday, without doubt. Just really quickly on Lejeune, um, one it's brilliant to have. If you look at Lejeune, Dummett and Lascelles, all big lads, all strong. If I look at previous games against Southampton, Southampton used to bully us a little bit. Shane Long even against Colaccini and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, yesterday, Lejeune just had Shane Long when he came on. He would, It was like almost dealing with a child. Match of the day picked up some really good football that were played, like three or four incisive forward passes, which ended up with Perez winning a corner. That actually started with Lejeune um, winning a ball he had no right to win off Long, then selling another Southampton player a massive dummy and playing a really positive forward pass. And that's the good thing about Lejeune, is his passing ability is... It will be crucial the better that the team gets and we're more reliant when we're starting to have the ball a little bit more. Presuming everything's all right, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Um, and it's, that's just one of the things that makes him really good. Now, if you look at Lejeune's struggles, and he did have struggles earlier in the season, he was injured, then he wasn't injured, he was injured again, he was out of the team. Now he's had that, and I say this about all players that come to the club in the Premier League, you can't judge a player unless they're absolutely disgracefully bad, like Stephen Ireland or something. 
um, until they've played kind of five, six consecutive games in the team in the Premier League. And once he's had that under his belt, and he was robbed of that by Harry Kane, as we know, um, justice was not done by the referee. And uh, yeah, it basically, he's, he's an asset at the moment and he looks like a more than a £10 million defender. You know, as, as rumour has it, um, he was the only one of Rafa's first choice targets that Rafa gave the club in the summer that he got. And again, the, the, I mean, I presume Kennedy was another one. But yeah, again, it just makes you think about yeah. how fucking good would be if the club had went out and bought these players yeah. that Rafa wanted. But yeah, Sai, I'll let you take the lead on, Dummett. Um, obviously, I mean, we, we and probably even just myself have been probably more critical of Dummett over the last four years than than most, or at least as much as everyone else. Dummett is, is an absolute revelation. And, and to be honest, we're, we're talking about the back five here because Lascelles for, for a period... I think with especially in the championship last season, we kind of thought maybe he's not maybe he's not going to make it, and th- th- these these are players that have worked with Rafa, and we all know Rafa's very very sound defensively minded manager, and he knows how to set up a team to to make it hard for the opposition to score. But all these players, the the level of improvement, even Lejeune, uh, after that period before Christmas, we thought you know we would all had that the same thought as you, Norman, where actually is is he is he going to be able to adapt to this game and working with Rafa Benitez gives you as much chance as anything so Dummett yesterday and to be honest for the last month Dummett against Man U Dummett against um, Bournemouth um, it's just he's, he's, a, he's a totally different football player he's not only we've always said he's quite good defensively he's good in the air he's a big lad he's also very fast he's supposedly the fastest player in the team over, over 50 yards or whatever it was when they did the, uh, the, the sprint thing Um but he's also now looking more comfortable on the ball. He's offering an, a, a passing option, and he just—he's doing everything absolutely right. You don't get the the gap of of, of the John Carver, Alan Pardew, McLaren years where it just felt like all the goals came down the left hand side. Nobody's scoring goals against but on the left hand side now. Um, but but I think it's I think what you said before Norman. Apart from Salah last week, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he came down the middle really. Um, but what you said before about about Dubravka and actually the, the whole back five because I thought Yedlin yesterday had his yeah. best game defensively. Totally the whole agree. back five, the, the sign of a good team is a is a is a back five, a, a, a fixed back five where you're not having to chop and change your defense every week. That that back five, as long as fit, will continue to play games now, and that that's always a really really good thing. Dubravka, as you say, has added so much confidence. There's no panic. Everyone just seems to know what they're doing now. If it's keepers ball, it's keepers ball. No one's panicking. Nobody's worrying about what what their teammates are doing. It's just really, really settled. I mean, I think Dubravka, if you if you translate that to English, means magnets because every <laughs> every ball that came came across the box just stuck to his hands. Even that one he tried to throw, it stuck to his hands and he threw it into the ground. Like it's just if you if you weren't at the match that hasn't that hasn't been shown on any highlights yeah so it was a hilarious moment when near the end of the game he tried a massive expansive Peter Schmeichel esque overarm throw rather than a kick and uh, he just threw it straight into the ground and we nearly conceded but <laughs> we got away with it <laughs> but other than that the, the the confidence that he's instilled and in, obviously just everyone playing well like Dummett no no one's panicking whether whether Dummett's going to get beaten by his man everyone's just kind of trusting their teammates and that's a massive thing for a defense not having to like some of the goals early in the season has been Lascelles kind of panicking about whether he needs to go over and kind of double up on on a, on a teammate that's, that's not happening now everyone's sticking their positions and defensively we just looked so good yesterday as we're doing against Manu and it's it's really starting to look settled yeah well said um, and everyone was absolutely fantastic yesterday absolutely everybody pleasure to witness um, I think that just about does it there on the game itself um, Norman, I'll ask you this first. Two years to the day that we are recording this, that Rafa Benitez 
decided to take out Newcastle United um, is someone who has kind of come back to the club as a result in terms of you know attendance and stuff like that and getting a season ticket and travelling all the way from London like you do for every game and the huge cost like you must incur because of it what has the last two years been like for you as a Newcastle United fan because of because of one man? Um, just like two of the two of the like I'll say two of the happiest years of following the club in my life, and um, the reason for it is is like take I'll take I'm gonna take Ash out crazy because obviously you know he's like the he's the spoiler, but what you've got is the club is like just it's like this gifted football manager who genuinely cares, who's made this really unbelievable connection with the fans and he's put together a team on a relative shoestring that gives everything and I, they're just, it's just the, the, the connect for me between um, the, the manager, the players and the fans is, is what's making is what's made it so special. I mean, I mean we're, a, we're a team that's been in a relegation battle all season Um under Rafa, he got ten. He got ten games to salvage. Where um, at the end of the relegation season, Ineli did it, um, but we still got relegated. We had a tough slog in the championship. There've been so many moments where it's been, you know, just just hard work and a hard slog. Um, the, you know, the the January transfer window, the promotion season, where he wasn't getting what he wants, and in, in, in the summer where he was upset. But at the same time, just him still being here and him still giving everything and him still improving players. Um, it's just it's just been a joy, and I like I, I just long long may it continue with him at the helm, and if he gets if he gets the support that he deserves, and that um, you know we we want to see him be um, given, then the club can just take off, man. It really can because he's because uh, he is he's just fucking brilliant. It's as simple as that. Well said. I don't think there's anything more needs to be said on that sign. Unless you've got anything to add. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny one, isn't it? Because. Rafa gets a little bit, and it's a very, very minor amount of criticism for the way we play football. And people seem to forget that the reason we're playing football in the way that we are right now is because he was let down in in basically three transfer windows. Um, he finally got a few players in at the end of the last one, but it still wasn't really what he was after, and it was much later than planned. Um, you've just got to remember that, one, we've still got a team that, that should be lower in the league than it is, and we're, we're playing really well. Um in fact, the last the last three or four games, we're playing the kind of football that I suppose these people are after, where we're, we're having chances and we're we're playing with confidence. But people who anyone who thinks that, that this isn't good enough, like, what, do you not remember McLaren? Do you not remember Pardew? Do you not remember John Carver? Like, this is a this is a similar situation. It's a relegation battle, but it's totally different. We're not getting we're not getting hammered three 0 every week. There's no performances there where you think those lads haven't tried hard enough there. Like. That kind of famous phrase, we ask for a team that tries, not a team that, that wins trophies every season. And we've, we've absolutely got that now, and that's 100% down to Rafa Benitez. So we're, just, we're so lucky to have him, and I, 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 I never get tired of saying it. And I, I, it really upsets me if it, when you find anyone who doesn't agree with you on that. And it's, you know, football's an, an opinion sport, but <laughs> this man is so important to the club. And, and, and this, this day marks two years now, and it, it's it's. It'll be the most important point in Newcastle United's history for years to come. Well said, Si. Uh, I think that just about does it for today. Just short of an hour uh, for this podcast. We're still absolutely buzzing. I hope everybody listening has, has had a fantastic Saturday and Sunday because there hasn't been too many of these days in the past 10 years under Mike Ashley's ownership. Uh, and even before that, 
and it's just brilliant for Newcastle United to do the business when it matters. You know, 25 points taken from teams currently below us in the league. That's called doing the fucking business when it matters. Um, so, you know, we'll finish it there. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, follow us on social media, uh, Facebook at TF Weekly Pod, Twitter at TF Weekly Pod. And uh, if you really, really like the show, subscribe to our extra content on Patreon. Details in the subscription and on all our social media profiles. Two to four extra shows a week for £5 a month. So it's like, you know, like 15 to 20 extra shows for a fiver. Um, failing that, we will be back with you. Uh, there's obviously no game next weekend, but we'll probably do a, a show like this. We'll get the um, the interviews that we've got out soon. We've got loads of special guest interviews lined up bef- between now and the end of the season. Uh, we'll continue to, to get all that out. So thanks very much for listening. What a fantastic weekend it's been, and we'll speak to you soon.